Live from Utrecht, this is the fan William Sjors Nero. Hello. Hey Sjors. What's up? Sjors, today we have a lot more to discuss. Oh, we've already made this pun. <laughs> we've already made it twice, I think. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We are going to discuss the final implementation details of Speedy Trial today. Yep. We've already covered Speedy Trial in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time we're also going to contrast it to the Lot is True client, which is an alternative that's been released by a couple of community members. And we're going to discuss how they compare. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And so, we also talked about taproot activation options in general in a much earlier episode. One um, of the first ones. Yeah, where we also talked about this this idea of this cowboy mentality where somebody would eventually release a lot of true client, whatever you do. Um, yeah, so that's where we are. And we also, I think, predicted correctly that there would be a lot of bike shedding. Yes, which is also something we'll get into. So first of all, as a very brief recap we're talking about taproot activation. That's right. So taproot is a proposed protocol protocol upgrade for compact and potentially privacy preserving smart contracts on the mm-hmm. Bitcoin on the Bitcoin protocol. Is that a good summary in your Yeah, I think opinion? so. And uh, the discussion on how to upgrade has been going on for a while now. The challenge is uh, that on a you know on a decentralized open network like Bitcoin without a central dictator to tell everyone what to run when, um, you're not gonna get everyone to upgrade at the same time. But we do want to st- keep the network in consensus somehow or another. Yeah, and there used to be a, the other thing that can work when it's a distributed system is some sort of conventions that you used to you know ways that you used to doing things. Uh, but unfortunately, the convention we had kind of ran into problems with the SegWit deployment. So then the question is, okay, should we try something else? Or was it just a freak accident? And should we just try the same thing again? Yeah, I I, I think the last preface before we really start getting into speedy trial is, I'd like to point out this, the general idea with a soft fork, which is a backwards compatible upgrade, which Taproot is. Um, means that if a majority of hash power is enforcing the new rules, that means the network will stay in consensus. Yeah. So. And also, I guess we can repeat that, is is that if you keep making transactions that are pre-taproot, then those transactions are still valid. Um, So in that sense, you can, as a user, ignore soft forks. Unfortunately, if there's a problem, you cannot ignore that as a user, even if your transactions don't use that taproot. Yeah. Well, so the general idea, I think everyone agrees that it is very nice if a majority of hash power enforces the rules. Yeah. And uh, there are coordination mechanisms to sort of measure how many miners are on board with an upgrade. And that's how you can coordinate a fairly safe soft fork. Yeah. Uh, th- that's something everyone agrees on. And then there are parts where people start to disagree is what happens if miners don't actually cooperate with this coordination. We're not going to rehash all of that. There's previous episodes about that. What we are going to explain is that in the end, the Bitcoin core development community settled on a solution called Speedy Trial. 
Yes. So, and we already mentioned that as well in the previous episode, but we're now, now it's finalized basically. And we're going to explain what the finalized parameters are for this. Yeah. And there was a slight change. So um, let's, let's hear it short. What are the finalized parameters for speedy trial? How are we, Yeah. So the how first, is Bitcoin core going to upgrade to taproot? Yeah. So for every, um, so starting on, let's see, I think it's this Sunday. Um, April twenty fourth, midnight. Yeah, I think that's this Sunday. Yeah. Um, starting this Sunday, uh, the first time the difficulty readjusts, so that happens every two weeks, so probably one week after next Sunday. Um, maybe it's Saturday. <clears throat> yeah, the signaling starts. So in about two weeks, the signaling starts. No earlier than one week from now. Wait, just to be clear, the. That's the earliest it can start. But yeah, the, the it, earliest it can start is uh, April twenty fourth. Yes, but, but it, it, because it only starts at the at at a new difficulty adjustment period or a new retargeting period, it probably won't start until two weeks from now. Yeah, so it will start at the first new difficulty period after April twenty fourth. Yes, which is estimated, I think, right now somewhere early May. May the 4th or something. May the 4th be with you, sure. That would be a cool date. So that's when the signaling starts. And the signaling happens in, you could say, voting rounds. And a voting round is, is two weeks or mm -hmm. you know one difficulty uh, adjustment period or one retargeting period. Yeah. Now, if 90% of the miners or if 90% of the blocks in that voting period signal on bit number, I guess it's number two, one or two. Yeah, bit number two. Mm -hmm. Then, if that happens, Taproot is locked in. And locked in means that it's going to happen. So, you know, imagine the little gif with uh, Ron Paul, I think. It's happening. It's happening. But the actual Taproot rules won't take effect immediately. They will take effect at block number uh, 706,000... 632. Yes, which is estimated to be mined when? That would be November 12th this year. Right. Well, that's going to differ a bit, of course, based on how fast blocks are going to be mined over the coming months. But it's going to be November, almost certainly. Yeah, which would be uh, four years after the uh, Segway2x effort imploded. Hmm, right. Nice nice timing in that sense. Yeah, every date is nice. Um, <laughs> okay. So that's that's what the speedy trial does. So there's going to be every two weeks as a vote. If ninety percent uh, of the vote reaches, then that's the activation date. So it doesn't happen immediately, and because it's a speedy trial, uh, it could also fail quickly. And that is in August. So if I think around August eleven, if the difficulty period after that or before that, I always forget, um, doesn't reach the goal, I think it's after. Then the difficulty period must have ended by August 11th, right? I think um, when August 11th passed, is passed, it could still activate. But then the next difficulty period, it cannot. So I think the rule is at the end of a difficulty period, you start counting. And if the result is a failure, then if it's after August 11th, you give up, but if it's not yet August 11, you enter the next round. 
Okay, wait. So if the first block of a new difficulty period is mined on August 10, will that difficulty period still count? Yeah, that's right. And I think that's one of the subtle changes made to BIP9 sort of to make BIP9 easy to reason about. I see. I think it used to be the other way around where you would first check the date but if if it wasn't uh, if it was past the date you would give up and but if it was before the date you would still count and now it's I think it's the other way around so it's a bit simpler I see okay so there's going to be a signaling window of about 3 months that's right and then if in any difficulty period without within that signaling window of 3 months 90% of hash power is reached taproot will activate in November of this year yes right i think that covers speedy trial that's right. What? And the threshold is 90%, as we said. Like normally with BIP9, it's 95%, but it's been lowered to 90 Yeah. What happens if the threshold is not met? Nothing. Great. Which means anything could still happen, right? So people could deploy new versions of software, uh, try another bit, or try it, etc. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify yeah. that. It, it, it does not the... mean that Taproot is canceled. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the tra- if the threshold isn't met, then this specific software client will just do nothing. But, you know, Bitcoin Core developers and the rest of the Bitcoin community can still figure out new ways to activate Taproot. Yeah, exactly. It's kind oh. of a um, win-win. Well, I don't know if it's win-win, but the idea is like it's a low-cost experiment. If it wins, we get Taproot. If not, then we have some more information yeah, as but- to why we don't. Yes, I also want to clarify, there is no, we don't know what that's going to look like yet. That that will have to be figured out then, or, you know, we can start figuring it out now, but that hasn't been decided yet. Exactly. What the redeployment will look like. Okay, so this week another client was also launched. This is, um, uh, there's a lot of debate on the name. I think we're just going to call it the lot is true client. That sounds good to me. It derives from the sort of, technical and philosophical difference about how softworks should be activated in the first place. Mm-hmm. And this client uses, you guessed it, lot is true. Le- the specifics of this. So lot is true, just to sort of spoil that before we get into the specifics, lot is true means that if uh, the, the signaling window is over, by the end of the signaling window nodes will start to reject any blocks that don't signal. They'll only accept blocks that signal. Exactly. That's sort of the main difference. But let's get into the specifics here about the lot is true client. Yeah. So in the beginning, it is the same. That is, in principle, it's the same. There's a theoretical possibility that it's not if miners do something really crazy. But it starts at a certain block height. Um. Yeah, so we just mentioned that Bitcoin Core, and so this is Bitcoin Core 21.1, starts its signaling window on the first difficulty period after April 24th. And this uh, Lot is True client will also, in practice, start its signaling window on the first difficulty period after April 24th, except that April 24th isn't specified specifically. They just picked the specific block height that is expected to be the first one after April 24th. Exactly. So, so they picked so blocks 681,408. Yeah, so it's specifies that, specified as a block height instead of sort of indirectly through using a date. Yeah, but in all likelihood, that's going to be the same, exact same moment. So both the speedy trial and the BIP8, uh, sorry, the Lotus True client 
will start the signaling the voting periods at the same time. Yes. And the voting periods themselves, they vote on the same bit. They both vote on bit two. Mm -hmm. um, they both have a threshold of 90%. Mm -hmm. And also, if the vote is true, then it also has a delayed activation. So, and the delayed activation is a block height in both scenarios, in both the speedy trial and in the Lotus True variant. Yeah, so it's it's both that 12th November or November activation anyway. So if yeah. if Taproot, if miners signal readiness for Taproot within the speedy trial period, both of these clients will just activate Taproot in November on the exact same date. Yeah. Exact same block, everything. Exactly. So in that sense, they're identical. Yes. But they are also different. Let's get into the first big difference. Well, we already mentioned one difference, which is the very, very, very subtle sort of difference between starting at a height or the thing yeah. we just mentioned. Now let's get into a bigger difference. Right, because there is also a height for a timeout in this um, bit, it lost you, and that's also a block. But not only is that a block, you know, that, that could be a slight difference, especially when it's a long time period, right? Um, in the beginning, if you use block height or time date, you can guess very accurately. But if it's a year ahead, then you, you can't. Yeah. Um, but this is actually almost two years ahead, this block height that they have in there. So it goes on much longer. Two years from now, you mean? Yeah. Well, one and a half, but yeah. Exactly. So in that sense, it doesn't really matter that they're using height because it's such a big difference anyway. Um, but, but this is important. So they will keep signaling much longer than... The speedy trial, which, well, we can get into the implications later, but basically they, they'll they'll signal much later. Yeah, let's stick to the facts first yeah. and then the implement, implications later. So yeah, speedy yeah. trial, the Bitcoin core thing, it will last for three months. And this one, the Lotus 2 client, will allow signaling for 18 months. And then the biggest difference, of course, or well, the other big difference is that at the end of that 18 months, uh, whereas the speedy trial will simply give up and continue the lot is true will actually wait for miners who do signal which could be nobody or it could be everybody yeah so they'll only accept signaling blocks after these 18 months yeah so it's a little bit um for, for those who are aware of sort of the whole block size war period it's a little bit like the bip 148 client yeah it's pretty much the same with slightly better tolerance i think like the um the um uasf client required every single block to signal whereas this one requires 90 percent to signal but in practice if if you know if you're the minus in the last 10 percent of that window i guess you you need to pay a bit more attention but other than that it's the same yeah so that's why you know some people would call this the uasf client it, it's the uasf client where the where the bip 148 client was the uasf client for segwit this is sort of the uasf client for taproot um, I, I know that, for example, Luke Dasher, who's been contributing to this client, doesn't like the term USF in this context because there's also 18 months of just regular minor signaling. But, you know, just... But, uh, so did the USF. Uh, well, okay, I'm, it's a bit more patient than the USF. Like I said, there's a lot of discussion on the names of the client and how people should call it or not yeah. call it. But just in general, some people have been calling it the USF client and this is why. Okay, yeah, so you could call it the the slow UASF or something. Yeah. Uh, okay. I've, I've also seen the name user active 
user-enforced miner activated soft fork. So that's UE MASF or whatever. There, people are coming up with terms and names. I, I think the basic facts are clear now, I hope. Yes. Okay. So let's get into the implications. And in specific, there are some potential incompatibilities between these two activation clients. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so everyone agrees that Taproot is great. Everyone wants Taproot. Everyone agrees that it would be preferable if miners activate it. The only thing that there are still some disagreements on is sort of what's what's kind of the backup plan, and that's where the incompatibilities come in. Am I yeah. saying that right? Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so what are the incompatibilities? Yeah, so in the case where the speedy trial does not activate, um, yeah, then... So, fir so first of all, and I already mentioned this, but just to emphasize, it, emphasize this, if speedy trial activates Taproot, there are no incompatibilities. Both clients are happily using Taproot yeah, from, uh, starting in November. And this seems pretty likely because 90% of miners, uh, uh, mining pools, I should say, have already indicated that they support Taproot. And so likely, there's no big deal here. Everything will turn out fine. If Speedy Trial doesn't succeed in activating Taproot, that's where we enter a phase where we're gonna we're gonna start to look at potential incompatibilities. Yeah, in for sure. So imagine one scenario where Speedy Trial fails, and you know. Probably Bitcoin Core people will think about that for a while and think about some other possibilities. But for some reason, miners get wildly enthusiastic right after a speedy trial fails and start signaling at 90%. Right. Now, as far as Bitcoin Core is concerned, Taproot never activated. Where yeah. as far as the speedy, uh, as far as the uh, UASF or uh, Lotus True client, Taproot did just activate. Yeah, so let's say in month four, you know, we have three months of speedy trial, and then in month four, miners suddenly signal readiness for Taproot. That means Bitcoin Core doesn't care anymore. Bitcoin Core, at least the 21.1 client, isn't looking at the signaling anymore. But this Lotus True client is. So on the Lotus True client, Taproot will be activated in November, while on this Bitcoin Core client, it will not. So Yeah, so, and then, of course, if you are using that Lotus 2 client and you start immediately using Taproot at that moment because you're very excited uh, and you see all these blocks coming in, um, you may or may not lose your money because uh, anybody who's running the regular Bitcoin Core client will accept those thefts from Taproot addresses, essentially. Yeah, well, in this case, it matters what miners are doing as well, right? So if, yes, exactly. If, if miners signal readiness because they're actually ready and they're actually going to enforce Taproot, then it's fine. Then there's no yep. issue because they'll just you know enforce the soft fork and even Bitcoin Core 21.1 nodes will follow this chain and the Taproot uh, Lotus True client will also enforce and everyone's still happy on the same chain. The only scenario where this is a problem, what you just described, if is, is if miners do signal readiness, but they aren't actually going to enforce yeah. the taproot rules. The problem is, of course, in general with softworks, but especially if it's you know not everybody is on the same page about what the rules are, is you only know that it's enforced when it's actually enforced. You don't know if it's going to be enforced in the future. So this would create a conundrum for everybody else 
Because then the question is, okay, what to do? One thing you could do at that point is saying, well, obviously Taproot is activated, so let's just release a new version of Bitcoin Core that just says, okay, retroactively, it activated, right? Mm-hmm. It could just be a BIP9 soft fork uh, at the, repeating the same bit, but slightly later, or could you say, no, we, we know it activated, we'll just hard code the flag date. The problem is, between the time it, it you... Could, it could just be a second speedy trial, whatever, everything would work in that case, right? Well, More yeah, the, the, there is a problem with reusing the same bit number in within a short period of time. So that because it would be exactly the week after, in a scenario we talked about, it may not be possible to use the same bit. And so then you have a problem because you can't actually check that specific bit, but there's no signal on any of the other bits. So that would create a bit of a headache. Hmm. But the, the other solution would be very simple to say, okay, it apparently activated, so we'll just hard code the block date and activate it then. Yeah. The problem is, what if between the time that you know the community decides, let's do this, and the moment that software is released and somewhat widely deployed, one, you know, one or more miners say, nah, actually, we're going to start stealing these taproot coins, um, you'd get a, a massive clusterfuck. In terms of in terms of agreeing on the chain now, miners would not be incentivized to do this, right? Because it would, why would you deliberately create complete chaos if you just signaled for a soft fork? But it is it is a, a very scary situation, and it might make it scary to make the release, because if you do make the release, but miners start playing the shenanigans, well, what do you do then? Do you accept a huge reorg at some point, or do you give up and and consider it not deployed? But then people lose their money, and you've released a client that you now have to hard fork from, technically. So it's not it's not a good scenario. It, it gets complicated in in scenarios like this, also with game theory and with economics. Um, you know, even if miners would choose to steal, they risk stealing coins on a chain that could be reorged. So now they've just mined the re- a chain that could be reorged. If I, other miners do enforce the tapered rules, so it gets weird. It gets you know, it's it's a discussion about economic incentives and game theory in that in that scenario. Personally, I think it's pretty unlikely that something like this would happen, but it's at least technically possible, and it's something to be aware of. Yeah, it, it does make you wonder whether, as a miner, it's smart to signal immediately after the speedy trial, right? Because this this Lotus True client allows for two years anyway. So if the only reason you're signaling is because this client exists, then I would strongly suggest not doing it immediately after the speedy trial, but maybe waiting a little bit until there's some consensus about what to do next. Yeah, one thing you mentioned, and I want to quickly address that and, and emphasize that, is that this risk is always always exists for any soft fork. Yes. Miners can always sort of false signal, and then, you know, they could have done it with SegWit, for example, false signal, and then steals coins from SegWit outputs, and then old nodes will notice the difference. So that that's always a risk. I think the difference here is that Bitcoin Core 21.1 users in this scenario might think that they're running a new node and from their perspective, they are running an update node and still they're sort of running the same risks as previously all only sort of outdated nodes would run. Well, I'd be mostly worried about the potential 0.21.2 users, right? Who are installing the successor to Speedy Trial, which retroactively activates Taproot perhaps that that group is just very uncertain of what the rules are 
Sorry, which group is this? So if the speedy trial fails and then it's signaled, right? Mm-hmm. So then the, there's might be a new release and people would install that new release, but then it's not clear whether that new release would be safe or not. Because that, that very new release would be the only one who would actually think that Taproot is active. And as well as the Lotus 2 client. Yeah, as well as the Lotus 2 yeah, client. Yeah, but, but now we don't know what the miners are running and we don't know what the exchanges are running because this is very new, right? This would, would be done, you know, in a period of weeks rather than right now we have a six-month... No, no, hang on, hang on. Because... Tap- I guess the activation date would still be in November. Yeah, it would still yeah. be November. So there's still room to sort of prepare in that case. Yeah, okay, okay. Then I guess what I said before is nonsense and the easier solution would be to do a flag date. Where the new release would say, okay, it's just going to activate on November 12th or whatever that block height is without any signaling because the signaling exists, but people have different interpretations about it. Yeah, that could be a way. Okay, I'm still completely clear about what we're talking about here, but I'm not sure if our listeners are catching up at this point. All right. Should we sort of very briefly um, re... Recap a bit. Re- recap, yeah. So if miners activate during the speedy trial period, then everything is fine. Everyone is consensus. Yeah, and the new rules if, take effect in November. Yeah, if miners activate after the speedy trial period, then there is a possibility that the Lotus True client and the Bitcoin Core 21.1 client won't be in consensus if an invalid tra- taproot block is ever mined. However, no earlier, the... um, because of the oh no, you're right because they have no force signaling. Yeah, you're right. If a, if an invalid taproot transaction shows up after November twelfth, yeah, and if that is mined and enforced by a majority of miners, mm-hmm. only then. So then a majority of miners must have false signaled. Then the two clients can get out of consensus. Yes, this is just a technical. Technically, this is true. I personally think it's fairly unlikely. I'm not too concerned about this, but it's at least technically true and something people yeah. should be aware of. And so that scenario could be prevented by saying, well, if we see this false signaling, like a weak direct or false quote-unquote signaling, if we see this massive signaling a week after the speedy trial, then you could decide to release a flag date client, which just says we're just going to activate this November 12th because apparently the miners want this. And otherwise, we have no idea what to make of the signal. Uh, yes. Well, I find it very hard uh, to predict what Bitcoin Core developers in this case are going to decide. I agree. This but, is but one possibility. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That was sort of one way the two clients can become incompatible potentially. And then there is another way, which is maybe more likely or at least more... It's not as complicated. The, the other one is a little, a little bit simpler. Yeah, the other one is, let's imagine that the speedy trial fails and the community does not have consensus over how to proceed next. And Bitcoin Core developers can see that. Like, there's just ongoing discussion and nobody agrees. And maybe Bitcoin Core developers decide to, therefore, just wait and see. Yeah, miners aren't signaling. Yeah, or erratically, uh, etc. Miners aren't signaling. Um the discussion still goes on, nothing happens. Well, then this Lotus True mechanism kicks in, where the... Bitcoin After eight, 18 months, yeah. No yeah. Fe- so we're talking about November 2022 now. It's a long way off, but at some point, the Lotus yeah. True mechanism will kick in. Exactly. So those nodes will then 
assuming the miners are still not signaling, they will just stop. Um, yeah, or may, at least if there's that, that's if there's literally no lot is true blocks basically if they're no right. signaling blocks now in the other scenario where miners do massively start signaling uh now we're kind of back to that previous scenario where suddenly there's a lot of miners signaling on on bit number one uh so maybe the fork is active but now there's no delay because if the signaling happens anywhere after november 12th the um lot of stuke line will immediately activate that route or after one uh, adjustment period well let's be clear because i'm not sure i'm following you but so let's I, th- say, I think what you mean is that in that case okay repeat what you said yeah so let's say in this case uh in december of this year the miners suddenly start signaling because in september of this year december of this year so at the end of this year yeah but after the uh, minimum activation height sure so in december they all start signaling mm-hmm so then the Bitcoin Core client will ignore it, right? Mm-hmm. But the lot of true thing uh, clients will say, okay, Taproot's active. So then we Th- get... This is just the same scenario we just discussed. Well, except where it, now where there's it's no... only a problem if there's false signaling. Otherwise, it's fine. Yeah, there's a problem if there's false signaling, but it is more complicated to resolve this one because that option of just releasing a new client with a flag date in it that is far enough into the future, that's no longer there because it's potentially active immediately. And if you do a release, but then suddenly a miner starts, you know, not enforcing the rules, you get this confusion that we talked about earlier. And then we were able to solve it by just making a flag date. So this would be even messier. Maybe it's also okay. even it, less likely. It, it's pretty It's pretty similar to the previous scenario, but uh, even a little bit more difficult, le- less I, obvious I, how I to think solve it's, it. Yeah, I think it's messier because it is less obvious how you would do a flag day release in Bitcoin Core, in that scenario, because of the because it immediately activates. But now, just, that's not where I wanted to go with this. Well, you wanted to go to for some scenario, miners would wait all the way until the end yes, until they start signaling. That's where I wanted to go, uh, which is where the mandatory signaling kicks yes. in. So, if there's no mandatory signaling, then the lot is true nodes will stop um, until somebody mines a block that they like to see, which mm-hmm. is a block that signals. Now, if they do see this block that signals. We're back in the original, uh, we're back in the previous example where suddenly the regular Bitcoin Core nodes see the signaling, but they they don't, they ignore it. And now there's a group of nodes that believe Taproot is active. Um, and there's a group of nodes that don't. So somebody has to then decide what to do with it. You're still talking about false signaling here? Well, no, I'm otherwise just there's about, no problem. There, there is. Because even if the signaling is genuine, uh, you still want there to be a Bitcoin Core release, probably, that actually says, okay, we have Taproot now. But the question is, when do we have Taproot now, according to that release? What is the safe date to put in there? You could do it retroactively. Whenever they want. Yeah, well, then the problem is what happens... The the point is, if miners are actually enforcing the new rules, then the... The chain will stay together. That's true. And then it's sort of up to Bitcoin Core, I guess, to implement it whenever they feel yeah, like the, it. But again, the problem is with this signaling is you don't know if it's active until somebody decides to try and break the rules, right? Yeah, yeah. But my assumption yeah. was that they weren't false signaling. So then they'll just create the longest chain 
yeah, the fellas' rules, the, anyways. The, of course, that the problem with that is that it's unknowable. The the, um, the other the the scenario I really wanted to get to, shores, is, is the very the very simple scenario that the majority of miners isn't going to signal when the eighteen months are up. Exactly. In that case, they're going to create a long chain, the longest chain that the Bitcoin Core nodes, the Bitcoin Core twenty one point one nodes, I guess in this case, are going to follow, while the lot of true nodes are only going to accept blocks that do signal which may be either zero or at least fewer or well if it's a majority then there's no split right but if it's not a majority then we have a split yeah and that chain would get further and further and further behind so then the incentive to make a release to account for that would be quite small i think because well it depends this is where your game theory comes in but from a safety point of view if you now make your release that says, oh, by the way, we retroactively consider Taproot active, well, that would cause a giant reorg. Well, if you just activate it, that wouldn't cause a giant reorg. But if you say, oh, by the way, we're going to retroactively mandate that signaling that you guys care about, that would cause a massive reorg, which would be unsafe. So that would not be something that would be released, probably. So that's a very messy situation. There are messy potential scenarios. I want to emphasize to our dear listeners: mm-hmm. none of this, none of this, none of this is going to happen in the couple of months, next couple of months, and hopefully never. And hopefully yeah. never. So we'll we'll throw the, in the re- a few other bad scenarios, and then I guess we can go into some other topics. But yeah, and I, I want to mention real quick that the reason I'm not too concerned about these kinds of really bad scenarios playing out is because I think. If it seems even slightly likely that there might be a coin split or anything like that, there will probably be futures markets. And these futures markets will probably make it very clear to everyone if the alternative chain stands a, ch- stands a chance or, you know, they'll inform yep. miners on what to mine and prevent a split that way. Or I, I, I think I'm, I feel pretty confident about sort of the collective wisdom of the market to warn everyone about potential scenarios and it will probably work out fine that's kind of my general yeah, assessment I mean, the, the problem with this sort of stuff is if it doesn't work out fine it's it's really really bad yes and then we get to say retroactively well i guess it didn't work out fine <laughs> um so one, one i, little... I want to bring something up before you bring uh whatever bring up whatever you wanted to bring up i've, I've seen some concerns by bitcoin core developers about the development process of the lot is true client mm-hmm and I think this gets down to the sort of Gitian building, Gitian signing, which we also discussed in our uh, episode on that specific topic. Yeah, we talked about the, the need for software to be open source, uh, to be easy to audit. Right? Yeah, can you sort of quickly give your view on that in this yeah. context? So basically the the change that they made relative to the main Bitcoin Core client is not huge. Mm-hmm. And you can see it on GitHub. So in that sense, that part of the open source, I think, is reasonably doable to verify i think that code has had less review mm-hmm. but not zero review it's, it's less it's, than bitcoin course what you mean or yeah exactly yeah. but much more than the uasf um a lot is true client no i mean much more than the 2017 uasf oh, more than that i would say right okay um, and besides the idea has been you know studied a bit longer mm-hmm. um but then the second problem is, how do you know that what you're downloading isn't malware? Mm-hmm. And that's where you get release... Well, there's two measures there. There's release signatures. Now, the uh, website there, I think, explains pretty well how to how to check those. 
So I think they're signed by Luke Dasher and by the other developer. So you can check that. Bitcoin but, Mechanic is the other. De- okay. Well, okay. So actually, it's released by Bitcoin Mechanic and Shinobi, and then Luke Dasher is sort of the advisor contributor. Yeah. So there's a usually there's a there's a binary file that you download, and then there is a file with checksums in it, and that file with checksums is also signed mm-hmm. by a known person. So if you have Luke's key or whatever their key, and you know them. Then you can check that at least the binary you downloaded is not coming from a hacked website. Right. And then the second thing, because then you just have a binary and you know they signed it, but who are they, right? Mm-hmm. So the second thing is you want to check that this code matches the binary, and that's where Gitty and building comes in, which we talked about in an earlier episode. Right. Basically deterministic builds. So it takes the software, it takes the source code, and it produces the binary, and then it you sign, or multiple people can then sign that indeed, according to them, this source code produces this binary. Mm-hmm. And the more people that confirm that, the more likely it is that they're not colluding. Yeah. Right? And so I think there's only two Gideon signatures for this other release so right. far. So the Bitcoin Core software is being Gideon signed by... I think 10 or 20 people. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the experienced Bitcoin Core developers that we know that's been that have been developing the bitcoin core software for a while maybe including you did you sign it uh the most recent release yes and uh yeah so and you know you're kind of trusting that they're not all colluding and spreading malware i guess it's it still comes down to trust in that sense for most yeah, people a little bit i mean the thing is i think if you're if you're really contemplating running this type of alternative software you really should be knowing what you're doing in terms of all these video scenarios mm-hmm. if you already know what you're doing in those terms then just compile the thing from source because why not you should have if you're not able to compile things from source you probably shouldn't be doing running this but that's up to you uh, I, I'm not. That's, I'm that's not saying that I'm worried that they would me, be like. Yeah, I'm not worried that they're shipping malware, of course. But um, the thing is, it's in not general, p- it's it's just a matter of time before somebody says, "Oh, I have a different version with Lot is happy," and uh, please download it here, and then it steals all your Bitcoin. So it's more the precedent this is setting that I'm worried about than that this thing would actually have malware in it. Yeah, that's fair. So maybe um, sign it, Charles. No, because I don't think this is a sane thing to release. Okay, fair enough. But that's just my opinion. I mean, everybody's free to run whatever they want to run. Um, Was there any other thing you wanted to bring up? Yeah, basically, we talked about you know true signaling or false signaling on bit one, but a very real possibility, I think, is if this activation fails and we want to try something else, then we probably don't want to use the same bit if it's before the timeout window. Mm-hmm. So that could create a scenario where you might start saying, okay, let's use another bit to do signaling. And then you could get some confusion where there's a new Bitcoin Core release that activates using bit three, for example. But the lot of true folks don't see it because they're looking at bit one. Um, that may or may not be an actual problem. Um, the other thing is that there could, you know, there could be all sorts of other ways to activate this thing. One thing could be a flag day. So the if if Bitcoin Core were to release a flag day, then there won't be any signaling. Yeah, so a lot of true um, clients won't know that Taproot is active and they 
will demand signaling at some point, even though Taproot is already active? Yeah, your point being that we don't know what Bitcoin Core will release after Speedy Trial and what they might release might not necessarily be compatible with the lot is true client. Exactly. Now, it's also true. Of I will, if I you will run... say that works both ways, of course. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm just reasoning from one point here. Hmm. I would also say that in the event that Bitcoin Core releases something else that has pretty wide community support, I would imagine the people who are running the BIP8 clients are not like sitting in a cave somewhere. They're probably the they're probably the relatively active users that know that they can decide, okay, you know what, I'm just gonna run this Bitcoin Core version again because there's a flag date in it, which is earlier than the force signaling. Um so I could imagine that uh, again, they would decide to just run it or not. That also works both ways. Well, no, not really, because I am much more worried about people who are not following this discussion, mm-hmm. who just default download whatever the newest version of Bitcoin Core is, uh, or don't upgrade at all, right? Who are still running, say, Bitcoin Core 0.15. Um, I'm much more worried about that group than about the group that actively takes a stance in this thing. Because if you actively take a stance by running something else, then you know what you're doing. And so it's kind of up to you to to stay up to date. But we have kind of a commitment towards older users that if you're still running in your bunker the 0.15 version of Bitcoin Core, that nothing bad should happen to you if you just uh, follow the most proof of work. Yes, within the rules that, that you know. That could also mean making it compatible with the Lotus True client. No, because as far as as far as the 0.15 node is concerned, it uh, there is no Lotus True client. Well, okay. Do we want to get into all sorts of scenarios? So, I mean, what, the, I, I the scenario get... that I'm most concerned about mm-hmm. is that the lot is true chain, to call it that, if there's ever a split, will win, but only after a while, because then you get long reorgs. So, this gets back to the sort of lot is true versus lot is false this discussion in the first place. I, I can only see that our... happening with a massive price collapse of Bitcoin itself, but. Because if 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 the scenario comes to be where Lotus True starts winning after delay, which requires a big reorg, I would say that, yeah, if it's more likely to win, its relative price will go up because it's more likely to win. But because a bigger reorg is more disastrous for Bitcoin, the longer the reorg, the lower the Bitcoin price. So I think, yeah, that that would be the bad scenario. If if there is a thousand block reorg or more, then I think the Bitcoin price will just collapse to something very low where we don't really care whether the lot is true client wins or not it's that's just doesn't matter anymore yeah i agree with that the reason i'm not concerned is what i mentioned before is because i think these things will be sorted out by futures markets well before it actually happens yeah i guess the futures market would predict exactly that basically saying well you know (laughs) that would not be good depending on your confidence in futures market which for me is not that amazing, but back on topic. Um, I think did we cover everything? More or less, I think. Was there anything else? I think so. I mean, we could still talk about this nitty difference between block height versus block time. Oh, which caused y- yeah. all this fiasco, but I don't think it's an interesting difference. And uh, I, I guess, I guess, while we're recording the podcast, sure, might as well mention it. Okay, 
So one of the uh, when we first described the speedy trial, we kind of assumed it would be a everything would be based on block height. So there would be a transformation from the way softworks work work right now, which is based on these uh, medium times, to just block heights, which is conceptually simpler. Um, but later on, there was some discussion between the people who were working on that, um, considering you know maybe we should just the only speedy trial difference should be the activation height, and not of the none of the other uh, changes. So from the point of view of the existing code base, it's easier to make the speedy trial just adjust one parameter, which is an activation height, minimum activation height, versus the change where you change everything into block heights, which is a bigger change from the existing code, even though the end result is easier. Yeah. So a purely block height-based approach is easier to understand, easier to explain what it's going to do, when it's going to do it. And there's, there's some edge cases that are also easier. But to stay closer to the existing code base is easier for reviewers. Somehow. Somewhat. But it, it the, the difference is pretty small, so I think they eventually decided... they people Some people decided on the coin toss, and other people, I think, agreed even without the coin toss. So... They're sort of... There are arguments on both sides, but they seem to be pretty subtle, pretty nuanced. Seems Like we mentioned, Speedy Trial is going to start on the same date anyways. Yep. So it doesn't seem to like matter that much. Uh, and at some point, some developers were seriously considering just deciding through a coin flip. Mm-hmm. Basically, using the Bitcoin blockchain for that, you know, picking a block in the near future and seeing if it ends with a even or uneven number. I guess I, I don't know if that's literally what I did, but that would be one way of doing it. Um, I think they did do the coin flip, but then after that, the sort of champions for both solution ended up agreeing, anyways. Yeah, and they happened the main... to agree on the same thing that the coin flip said. But yeah, yeah, the main dissenter was Luke Dasher. Uh, who strongly feel you know who's a strong feel strongly about using block heights consistently, uh, and he also is of the opinion that the community had found consensus on that, and that Bitcoin core developers not using that is sort of going back on you know breaking community consensus, which well that's uh, his perspective. That's I mean, his opinion. If you look at the the person who wrote. The original pull request with that was purely height based. I think that was Andrew Chow. He closed his own pull request in favor of the uh, mixed solution that we have now. So if the person writing the code like, removes it himself, I think you know that's pretty clear. I mean, from my point of view, is the people who are putting in the most effort should probably decide when it's something this trivial. Yeah. Either way, I, I don't think it matters that much. So It seems like a minor point to me, but clearly not everyone agrees it's a minor point. No, but that's sort of what bike shedding is about, right? It wouldn't right. be bike shedding if everybody thought that it was irrelevant which color the bike shed had. Okay, let's let's just let's leave the coin flip and the 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 time block height thing behind us, sure, yep. because I think we covered everything, and in maybe we shouldn't dwell on this last point. Okay, is that it? I think so. I, I hope this was um, 
at all clear for all this. I think we can very briefly still interject one thing that was brought up, which is the time warp attack, which I think we have. Oh talked yeah, we about. didn't mention that, and that is somewhat relevant, maybe. Yeah. In, in this context. Yeah, one of the arguments... Against think, using block time is that it opens the door to um, time warp attacks where miners are basically faking the timestamps on the blocks they mine to pretend like it's a different time and date and that way they can, for example, just skip the signaling period altogether if they collude in doing that. Yeah, that sounds like an enormous amount of effort for no good reason, but it is an interesting uh, scenario. We did an episode about the time warp attack a long time ago. Uh, back when I understood it. And there is a software proposal to get rid of it that I don't think anybody objected to, but also nobody bothered to actually implement. And so one way to deal with this hypothetical scenario is that if it were to happen, well, then we deploy the software against the time warp attack first, and then we try taproot activation again. Yeah, I mean, the argument against that from someone like Lucas, of course, that, yeah, you can fix any bug but you can also just not include the bug in the first place well it's nice to know that miners would be willing to use if if we know that miners are actually willing to exploit the time warp attack that is incredibly valuable app information if they have a way to collude and and a motivation to use that attack then i think it's worth the cost of that attack would just be pretty low right it would be delaying taproot by a few months but we'd have this massive conspiracy unveiled so I think that's a win. Yeah, the other thing, I I, I think you, I'll just mention this because Luke believes, the, the way Luke sees it is that there was sort of already consensus on all sorts of things, on using BIP8 on, and even sort of this lot is true thing he saw as some something of a consensus effort. And then using block times is sort of frustrating that in, in his opinion. I think that that's... You know, I don't want to speak for him, but if I'm if I'd like if I'm trying to sort of well, but channel Luke a little bit or trying to explain his perspective, that would sort of be it. That is, in his view, consensus was already forming, and well, it's and I don't now, think now this, a different path is taken. Yeah. I don't think this this new approach blocks any of the lot true stuff that much. We we looked we looked through all the scenarios here, and I don't think we got the confusion wasn't around block height versus time, right? It was against all sorts of things that could go wrong depending on how things evolve but not that particular issue so i don't think yeah sure, worry about that as sure, for sure consensus I mean, after all consensus is in the eye of the beholder right uh, but i would say if multiple people disagree then there's not consensus so yeah but that would also work the other way around where luke disagrees with using block time right but then he cannot say there was consensus on something if People, if disagree, then by definition there wasn't consensus. But yeah, maybe, uh, no, yes, I, I. It was my impression that there was no consensus because people disagreed. Exactly. Okay. Lors, Shors, Shors. See, I'm starting to forget your name. That's all right. The, the podcast is taking too long. Shors, we're dwelling a lot. Let's wrap it up. I'm gonna. For our listeners that are confused and worried, I'm going to emphasize the next three months, Speedy Trial is going to run on both clients. If miners activate speedy, through Speedy Trial, we're going to have Taproot in November and everyone's going to be happy. And then we'll continue the, this, the, the soft fork discussion with the next soft fork. Exactly. We can have the same arguments all over again because we have learned absolutely nothing. Yes. All right. In that case, thank you for listening to the event Weird I'm sure NATO. There you go. 